All right, everyone. Welcome to GIS Chat. I am your host, Jasmine Wilson, and I'm super excited today to be having my guest, Jeremiah Lindemann. I am so excited to have you here and actually talk about all the work that you've done with Esri and Government Solutions and also what you've done in terms of the drug and opioid epidemics. I'm excited to talk to you and get onto that topic. So before I do, how are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me. It's very uh, it's exciting to hear what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Well, can you tell us a little bit about you, you your work, background, any fun details? Um, yeah, so I, yeah, my name is Jeremiah Lindemann. I, I live in uh, Colorado. I work for Esri. Yeah, wife and two teen, two high school daughters. They keep us busy. One does theater and one does uh, volleyball. So it seems like life is pretty consumed outside of work with the, those uh, things and activities and plenty of things to do here in Colorado, getting outside and, you know, sporting events and so forth. Um, I grew up in South Dakota, um, that, so in the Black Hills area, quite, quite a bit different than the Denver area now. It's, it's pretty rural area. I suppose that's probably how I first got interested in maps and hiking in the Black Hills and, and so forth. But yeah, I just always been kind of fascinated with that and um, went to school at the University of Wyoming and uh, did a few years in Redlands, but I've been, also been back here in Colorado for well over 20 years now, or almost 20 years now. Nice. Can you go into a little bit more detail? of your work in Esri, you work for the government solutions team. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do with them? Yeah. So I've been Esri I'm a long timers. It's been over 20 years with, with Esri. Uh, but the last about five years, I've been on our GS solutions team. Uh, so what we do is we really look at what are common workflows. So we, we support mostly state and local government, my team does. And what are the common patterns that's a city or county might want to tackle and how can we build a solution that achieves those workflows so someone can deploy that and really hit the ground running with all the apps that, that are needed and data layers that, that facilitate that. For instance, what I'm working on right now is emergency management. A lot of times counties for emergency management operations, if there's a, a fire or flood, there's evacuation notices. With that, people might have to evacuate to shelters. They might be shutting up distribution points of where to put sandbags or water or food for people that might be displaced. So really defining like what goes into that whole process for emergency managers and making a solution that a county could deploy and make those evacuation notices and deliver that information to the public and package it up and mostly use out-of-the-box tools with, with ArcGIS to, to do that. Um, but nice. it's useful because, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, um, you know, if someone has a, an emergency, they're trying to tackle this stuff on the fly and they don't know really where to start. So we're trying to look at what common patterns and talk to people that have been in the unfortunate circumstance before and, and um, you know, build something that, that can be useful for folks. So what brought you into that side of the government solutions side of things? Um, you know, I think I'm kind of in my third mini career at Esri, I suppose. I, I started as, a, as an instructor. Uh, but for a long time, I, I did support um, as a solution engineer for about 10 years, supporting state and local. But really, it's kind of part of business development. I, I would be like the, the technical side that goes along with account managers. Um, and I think it was just, it was time for change. Like, I think, you know, after 10 years, it's, it's time to look at something interesting. And um, on one hand, I really like that old job because it's it so fun. We got to go talk to different cities every day. Uh, but I didn't have a sense of like owning, you know, s something because like, you know, we go talk to city and we'd help, you know, and kind of nudge them along or kind of show them some, some things. And then, you know, it'd be great to see how they could 
um, do things on their own. Uh, but I think it's great to now kind of help own one of these solutions and then, you know, watch that kind of be delivered over times. And it's probably a little bit travel, less travel with the kids and, and so forth. So it's just, it's time to bring that in. Does seem like it just kind of worked out with your current schedule currently. So that's, that's yeah. great. And yeah. then it kind of seems like, um, you might have an eye for, or a drive towards helping people kind of make sense of why you're kind of in that dynamic environment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's natural for a lot of people. The GIS, I think, it just runs that way. But yeah, I think that's, uh, that's the most fascinating thing about just our work is when you're able to help someone else. I think a lot of times people that are doing GIS, they're doing work to help someone else tackle something. Yeah, I think that comes in various shapes and sizes for sure. So then what originally got you into GIS? Um, you know, like I said, I, I had a fascination with maps growing up, but I think when I was in college, I didn't know what GIS was. And I think I, I went in as an undergrad. I thought I wanted to be an engineer and like quickly realized that math, like calculus wasn't really for me. And um, I think I just did some self-research and visiting some departments. And I got into a class at IGS in it and just kind of pretty early on and just took off on it and quickly became something I wanted to target. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I, that was popular when, about 25 years ago when I was in school as it is now, but still, I think that's still kind of largely true for a lot of people. Yeah. So how was it post-university actually finding a job in a GIS? Um, yeah, that was a while ago, but it was challenging. I think I, I remember applying for a lot of jobs. I was fortunate. I had a couple part-time jobs while I was at university that I got to do some GIS work in, but when it came time to find something full-time, yeah, it was hard. I was applying for places I'd never been and all over the country. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, looking back, I think it was frustrating. I think I had a, a couple job offers, but, um, uh, one of them was, ended up being with Esri and I went with it and I've, you know. I suppose I've been fortunate to just uh, been ever since. So how did you actually land a job at Esri? So my first, I said I was on kind of my third mini career at Esri. My first one was being an instructor. So going, we teach classes to, um, you know, adults that want to get ramped up on, on GIS and their organizations would pay for them to take classes and either get up to speed on new tech or in some cases just learning it brand new. Um, when I was at university, I, I stayed and I got my graduate degree, but a lot of the time I was helping run the GIS lab and I was helping do some of the courses on, on through that. So I think that experience led me into the, being the, the instructor and then it just kept going from there. Along with your background, you are very heavily involved in finding solutions towards the drug and opioid epidemic. Um, did you want to go into detail of why that is so passionate to you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be honest. Um, very unfortunately, I lost my little brother, uh, JT. It was 16 years ago that he passed away. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a little while. Um, and yeah, it, it's wasn't something that's, you know, 16 years ago was not on the news over like, like it is now. I think it was because just kind of the beginning when the, you see those, um, graphs and charts of, you know, overdose deaths. He was probably more in the beginning of that. It was really confusing at the time. And I think there's a big stigma around it. You know, I definitely didn't want to say I lost my brother to, to drugs at the time. But after a few years, it seemed like it was appearing on the news a little bit more. And 
just doing my own research. And I think I felt like a desire, like I wanted to do something around that. I wasn't quite sure what, I tried a couple of things and I think where, where I kept on landing back is I'd see data and I wanted to do something. So I got involved with some groups here in Colorado and I'd get data from the state uh, and look at like on a county by county uh, basis. And I just made some time animated maps and just looking how things were getting worse over the last 10 years. Um, and then I just kind of kept on going and um, I started to talk to other people about things that they could map. Mapping overdoses, city, it got to be a pretty big thing for um, first responders because you know, a lot of times people think of fire departments and, you know, they're responding to fire, but a lot of times they're responding to medical calls and they're getting a huge increase in responses to overdoses. So they wanted to map that to see the response patterns were. So I had a, about five years ago, I, I worked in, we started something called the Opioid Mapping Initiative. We're basically just got a bunch of people together, got a bunch of cities and counties, some nonprofits, and they all just started sharing, or I'd basically hold webcast and I kind of get a guest speaker uh, each month and they talked about what they were doing and it was just a collaboration, getting awareness out there. And it was cool because we'd see some people that would share something and then other people would kind of replicate it and, and, and do something uh, from there. So yeah, I was just mapping overdoses where resources could be for naloxone, especially a drug that reverses an overdose. And it's, it's getting to be a lot more popular now, but a few years ago, it was really hard to find. So just mapping resources for that. So I did that. And then I also made a map that's been really popular for called Lost Loved Ones as really to address that stigma piece about I think so many people have a perception of what a drug user is and social media can be really mean and people will say, oh, they deserve to die. And like so many families that are struggling and have lost really great people that have been into addictions. Really, it's just a simple map where it's just a bunch of dots on the map and each dot has an associated picture and a story. So put that together as a crowdsource map where families could go in and add their loved one. And my little brother, JT, is the first one on there, but it's well over a few thousand people now. It's been just kind of an awareness tool more than anything. Yeah, and I checked out that map. And um, first off, I apologize. And secondly, I think that map is such a wonderful tool because, like you said, people, I think, have a ne negative, they have an idea of what a drug user looks like. And so when you look at that map, you're looking at people who you would just think first impressions is not doing opioids or is not doing drugs. And so um, what is the link to this map for people if they're interested in looking at it? Um, a, a short way to get to it is memorial.nsc.org. Um, so I started it just as my own thing. And then it's now hosted by the National Safety Council. That's what the mm -hmm. NSC is. They're an organization that does, they're a nonprofit that does just safety things. They got started, I think like back in the 50s, they're major initiative was like to get people to wear seatbelts, but now they do all sorts of things. But one of the, one of it is a lot of workplace safety and they just kept on hearing about overdoses being an issue in the workplace too. They kind of have taken on, but yeah, memorial.nsc.org. And is there any other awareness that you would like to bring to attention to? I thought of something else interesting were the Nilexon, Nilexon deserts. And so then the highest people, the highest risk 
areas were the ones that didn't actually have that as a resource. Yeah, you know, I think that's, there's some, I think it's the next wave for JS around this whole topic. You know, a lot of it was just initially was mapping where the overdoses are and where, you're, where you can get a naloxone. Uh, but yeah, that idea of this uh, is really big. So naloxone is one. So like, where can I not get naloxone? I'll give a plug to another nonprofit that I've worked with. It's doing some fascinating things with JS themselves. That's how I met them. But they're called Next Distro. Um, they basically what they will do is they will mail naloxone uh, to anyone in the U.S. so they can have it. So if there's a desert, they can get it. They're basically mapping all those requests uh, and and doing things with it too. But yeah, I think it's, it's great for what they're doing because. There's a stigma if you get naloxone, people, and especially like in a rural area, everyone might know. So it's one thing about just being able to get it mailed, but also um, to um, just access that idea of the desert. But I think the other places of the desert is where to put treatments for folks. So it's really proven that medicated assisted treatments help people a lot. Looking at where there's access to that. Uh, so you know, really, how can people have access to treatment? And there's definitely big gaps um, in our country related to that. The states that have the highest number of overdoses, correct me if I'm wrong, is Pennsylvania, New York, and Ohio? That very well may be right. I, I know Ohio has always been really big for sure. Do you know what may be causing that? Um, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. There's definitely some books because it's a, it's a mix of a lot of things for sure, like socioeconomic and yeah, I think there's, there's a lot. I think some of it can be traced back just to several years ago, how there were basically pill factories and things just got started in the community. And I don't think that was really good for basically the whole community just starts to tailspin and it's hard to get out of. Uh, but I think it's also a lot of Ohio, there's rust belts and there's some other issues historically on economics, but I think there's, there's a lot of issues that go into it for sure. Yeah. With all of your work, the lost loved ones and all the other work that you've done for Esri, um, how have you yourself positively contributed to exposing the epidemic? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one is the lost loved ones and it's just, mm -hmm. it's still, it's so simple, but it's still just, I think, an awareness tool. I, I still find so many people that are just not aware of the situation. I feel like it's been pretty tough this last year because I've known some pretty close people that have lost very close people themselves, either workers or coworkers or, or friends and totally off guard, cut off guard by saying, so you think just that simple story that this is, a, this is a real thing that's out there for other people. So yeah, I think that's probably been the biggest thing. And then just being able to help organizations where I can here and there and it was largely just a, a side thing that I was doing maybe a little bit more at night and outside Esri, but Esri's also it's been positive where we did get to make a solution for it too, to help health departments, you know, kind of map some of these simple things like overdoses and so forth too. I know you've also done a lot of volunteer work for the health industry as well to expose this. Did you write a little bit more into that? Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, as far as the volunteer work for that, it's just trying to sit in on some local boards here. I think there's, like all across the country, you've had just a lot of kind of advisory boards that have spun up here and there. So I've helped out here in Colorado, just trying to keep that community approach that's turned into now. I'm actually, the county that I live in has a new health department. 
I'm actually a board member of the health department. So that's new. There's five board members. Two of them are doctors and two of them are nurses. I feel a little bit out of place not having that, that true medical degree, but it's great that I, I, I've been asked to help participate in that and just be a yeah. community voice for that too. So. You also did a map that was actually uh, reflecting on first responders. And so I think it was, you couldn't get some of the data that you needed for the opioid crisis. And so you actually would look at EMS responses. I'd be having a hard time ringing a bell exactly which one that was, but yeah, probably it's really just about where first responders are, or were responding to overdose calls. So that's been a pretty big uh, topic that a lot of cities have been doing. I wasn't really doing that my, myself so much, but maybe helping cities here and there just help map that out. Um, I think it's, it's one thing that's changed a lot is when a first responder goes to a call, they would, they collect some certain information and it goes into a records management system or RMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this epidemic's changing so much where they actually will enter that in if it is an overdose. And then they may have another feel like, was there naloxone administered? So that's definitely making things easier too, to help parse that out. But yeah, it's just been helping communities map that out. I think one, one is it's, it's useful for those communities, like the, if it's a fire department to help see where they need to have naloxone, maybe it helps mm-hmm. shift their, their staffing patterns and like maybe where they're responding to. Uh, but then it's also another tool, just like the lost loved ones map, that data can be shared publicly. Um, you know, we've been trying to guide people to de-aggregate that data a little bit. You, know, you we've definitely seen communities that will just share the point data of overdoses. That's probably not fair if it's at someone's house to just share that information, but you can make things like, you know, heat maps or, you know, more common pattern is like the, like the honeycomb hex bins where you get a, a count of how many overdoses were in this area. And then you can just see, uh, patterns and that's useful for cities too, because you can see those patterns and. They help see, well, maybe that we should be putting naloxone in these restaurants or, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's in that area that has a lot of uh, overdoses. That'd be a great idea. And then yep. do they already carry naloxone on them, like first responders? The majority of the U.S., not all, not all the U.S. Okay. So, well, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, some, unfortunately, sometimes it becomes a political issue. The, there's some... Some departments in some places in the U.S. that like take a a very no stance that like they're not going to do that. I would say that's not the most for, for fortunately. Okay. Well, I want to say first of all, Jeremiah, I appreciate all the work that you are doing and also getting awareness out there. And again, the Lost Ones map it is it's a great eye eye opener for anyone that just kind of wants to see that people who are doing drugs, opioids, however. It's not going to be, you know, the stereotypical Hollywood type of looking guy. It could be just your neighbor who's gardening one morning and has, you know, you never know what's going on. So I appreciate your work, Jeremiah. So I wanted to go back to your current role. Oh, did you have something to say? No, just, no, thank you for the kind words and, and helping yeah. get that out there. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to just kind of see, like, what does a typical day for you look like working at Esri? Um, yeah, probably get the same response for a lot of people. Um, uh, it's, uh, there's probably not a typical day, mm-hmm. but I think one thing I, I mean, I tell people just in my current role is we have more of a, a kind of a cycle. So we, 
we'll have a solution that we release. We'll have like three releases a year. So right now we're working on this emergency management one. And in the beginning phases of that solution, it might be talking to a lot of users that have requested it or been had success doing things and just doing some interviews and figuring out like, what do we need to do? And then there, that might be in the beginning of things. Um, but then as we move along, we'll be doing a lot more prototyping and review. And then as we get towards the end, we'll be making that more fine-grained. And we also worked on our documentation for that too. So it's just a little bit different throughout that review cycle. And then if a nice pattern, we then look at that gets done, then we can do another one. And uh, But then we'll also update our solutions as well. As our tech changes, we might have to update something or or we uh, get some feedback from some of our users that they'd like to see some enhancements. We'll, we'll incorporate those too. So um, that's just kind of sprinkled in throughout the year as well as, uh, as updating things. What's the proudest implementation that you've done? Mm, the proudest. Or one of? Um, that's a good question. There's, you know, we put the opioid epidemic solution and there's been a couple of counties that have implemented that. From a personal standpoint, that's, that's great because they're just, those counties are using it as a tool to help get awareness out of like where they're overdoses are and their um, uh, resources, their community resources. I think another one that I, I got to work on that was uh, really cool was special events. So cities will hold, you know, a 5K or uh, a brew fest in the park or, you know, a music festival. So there's a whole process for like permitting. Maybe the organizer of the 5K would have to apply for and then map those out, like where there might be vendor booths and where the road needs to be blocked and, and so forth. So, oh, that's um, cool. yeah, it's, it's been a, it's a pretty big solution, but uh, there's some, been some really great implementations of that too, of people using that, which, which has been great. Great. So what kind of skills do you think that have helped you either in your personal life and or career that has made you successful? Skills, I think. Probably just listening um, it has been has been probably useful the most, especially when it comes down to listening what someone wants. I think a lot of GIS staff will help. They're in charge of helping someone else, probably in, in maybe another department or maybe some other line of business worker for the department they serve. So I think just being able to listen is, is a really key instrument, and I think that's helpful just in life in general. Um, I. I'm probably a little bit more of a reserved person. I, I'm definitely more of a reserved person. I'm not the most talkative in, in a room for sure. And I, I think sometimes there can be people that just talk a bit too much sometimes. And, you know, when you really want to get some work done, it's like you have to just kind of listen to each other too. And that's really going to help to define what, what needs to be done. A lot of your answers can be found just by listening to someone instead of waiting to respond. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, so with everything that you've gone through, do you have any advice for someone who is looking to work for Esri, particularly in solutions, whether that's government or a different category, what were some skills that they need to have? Yeah. So if you want to refer, work for Esri in general, I I think it's probably just, this is going to depend upon the job that you're looking for. So there's going to be some jobs that are very, you know, tech oriented where you'll be in the tech a lot all day. Uh, and probably just a big piece will be learning, you know, the, that tech suite and, and, uh, but also being able to have the interpersonal skills to be able to communicate. 
But the, I think other jobs might be a little bit different. You know, as far as what we do on the government solutions team, uh, we definitely have to know tech piece. But I think it's also marrying it a little bit with a, some understanding of what government does. I think that's a lot of times we will take people that will have supported government in some fashion or worked for a city or county as, as a GIS person, uh, because then you can have an intimate understanding of, of what is um, um what the needs are uh, and how the the city operates. Um, I do. I think there's a lot of people just even like my own family. You know, people pay taxes, but I don't think they understand fully what, what how much a city or county will, will really do. There's a lot of work and a lot of operations that are done from from a government function. So just being able to stand understand what's what role the government plays, or like you know, that's going to help you when you're building solutions to see like how things get delivered. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, that makes sense. Actually, I, I probably have thought of that. That makes sense. Now, the last question. Is there anything before we leave off, any other kind of awareness that you want to give to people? Or do you want to reiterate anything that you have said just to bring more awareness to anything that's important to you? I think just keeping if you're listening now and you haven't shared your story and in some way i think uh it's always good to you know get that stuff out and social media is a little bit weird but i think linkedin is 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 a good appropriate place sometimes for those you know what what your work is and and then kind of see what what is uh, being done by others okay well i want to say first off thank you so much for coming on the show um i'm so happy that more than more than anything I really wanted you just to get the awareness and get the word out there. And I'm happy that we're able to discuss that. And hopefully people who may have loved ones or know anyone that's struggling, you know, maybe this information can help them. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it's honors. Thank you so much for reaching out. And uh, yeah, excited to see these uh, podcasts get out for you. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys again for listening to GIS Chat. I am your host, Jasmine Wilson. I had my guest today, Jeremiah Lindemann. And I will see you in the next episode.